coming up next on Two Cops, One Donut. So after boot camp, you go to Pensacola, Florida for, we call it A school. Um, and you hang out there until they're ready for a new class to start, basically until they get enough air traffic controller graduates from boot camp to fill up a whole class of people. Then they'll class you up. Um, and I want to say my class size was like, it re- it ranges from probably five to 15 people in a class. Um, and it's very intense. Um, just to put it into perspective, the Navy school is four months, 16 weeks. And if you were to go to the FAA school, it's um, six to 12 months, I think, depending. So you are cramming um, the same exact certificate that federal air traffic controllers get in four months in the Navy. Um, And so you have, it's changed since I went through. I went through school in the end of 2013, beginning of 2014. They have have a different way of testing now that I'm not too familiar with, but the topics are the same. And uh, you have like 12 maybe different phases that you go through. So like, let's say your first class is aviation weather, and that's the easiest. And it's kind of a um, reality check into how difficult the testing is. And you get like a day to learn these subjects too. Um, The harder subjects, you get like two or three days, but you um, cram all of this information. And it's just an instructor reading from the book, like it's nothing fun. And then you go home and study and take these hardest tests I've ever taken in my life. And I had like decent grades in high school. Um, But they're all made to like, you have to you have to know the answer. You can't do process of elimination because it's just one letter or one comma, and it's all written by lawyers. Anyway, very difficult tests, and you have to get through. Um, you have to pass with I think a seventy or higher, um, and you have to keep like your GPA at a certain point in order to keep moving forward in the classes. If you fail a test, then you get pushed back a class, so you go to the class that classed up a week after you and then get a chance to retake it. And if you fail a test, for me, it was twice. I think now they do a three strikes and you're out thing because the military's hurting for people. So they're gonna give people more chances. <laughs> um, and if you fail, then you go into like an academic review board and they decide if they're gonna give you another chance or if they're gonna kick you out of being a controller, you get sent back and they'll assign you another job that's less difficult. Um, so yeah, you have four months of that, just pretty much uh, cramming for a test. You take the test in the morning, and then as soon as you come back from taking that test, you're cramming for another subject. Um, and after your four weeks are up, then you get um, assigned a duty station. And it used to be based off of your performance in the class, like your ranking. Um, I think now it's just random. Like you, they would, uh, an officer would come into your class and be like, all right, you have the highest GPA. You get to pick from this list where you want to go. So of course, like the shore duty or like, yeah, shore duty and California and Florida were always taken first. And then ships were for the people that didn't get good grades. <laughs>
All right, welcome back. Eric Levine here, Two Cops, One Donut, and we have special guest today, Kristen, Kristen Coslo, a Navy vet. How are you doing, Kristen? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Uh, we met up on the uh, POB, and that's the Patriot-owned business site. I think that's the one. Or was it the veteran-owned business site? I think it was veterans. Yeah, veteran-owned veterans. Owned business. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm on a part of two. One is a Patriot okay. owned business thing out of Texas. And the other one is the veteran owned business. Um, so I saw that. Well, okay. So just so you guys know what's coming down the line, she's a Navy vet. She's got a podcast. She's a photographer. So we're going to talk about those three things and then we'll, we'll go from there. But, um, I saw her post on the veteran owned business page that she's got a podcast going and you guys know me. I like to use my platform to help other people get their stuff out there. Um, and besides that, I thought it'd be cool. We haven't had a Navy person on yet, so let's talk about the Navy. But first and foremost, Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm good. Um, I'm excited. This is my first time actually as a guest and okay. like sharing my Navy story. So I'm stoked to be here. Awesome. It, it actually, you'll find that it's a lot less stressful. You, <laughs> you don't yeah. have to have a... <laughs> Uh, like me, I always keep a pen and pad next to me. And mm -hmm. every time I'm like, oh, that'll be a good clip. So you'll be talking and I'm writing down the, the, the tagline number and the time and all that stuff. And yeah, it, it's a pain in the butt, but, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, well, let's get into it. Um, first, where are you from and what, what led you into a life of service for the military? Like, did you have family in the military? Did you see, you know, did you watch a Navy SEAL show and you're like, I got to do that? So what's the deal? So when people ask me where I'm from, I say everywhere. Um, I was born in Florida, but primarily raised in Grove City, Ohio, a suburb of Columbus. Um, so small town, Midwest, not much going on there. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, grew up in Ohio and I was heavily involved in music, like band, orchestra, all that stuff. Um, and I really thought that music was going to be my career moving forward. Um, I had a really good mentor in my band director. Um, and he kind of told me I was like destined to be a band director. And I just, senior year comes around and, you know, all this pressure is on you to figure out what you're doing when you grow up. And I was like, I don't, I'm 17. I have no clue what I want to do. Um, and I really didn't want to waste the money on college if I wasn't hundred percent sure on what I wanted. And I didn't want to make a decision that was like naive or narrow minded. If the only thing I knew was music, why, why should I choose that if I haven't gotten to explore anything else? So um, I had two uncles that were in the Navy, two of my brothers um, joined the Army, and my parents were like, look at how good the military was to your siblings and uncles, like, maybe you should think about that. And I was like, I'm not going in the military, that's dumb, like, I can, I really thought, like, I can do better than that. And they were like, how about you just talk to a recruiter, and maybe you can, like, be in the Marine Corps band. So I talked to a Marine recruiter first. That was my first pick. Uh, and they were actually amazing. They were very like, they actually took time to like get to know me and um, ask like the hard hitting questions about like what my like core values are. And um, they did a really good job selling the Marines. I'm so glad I didn't join looking back. But uh, 
Um, I had a full audition scheduled for the Marine Corps band and the there it was supposed to be in sometime in the winter of my senior year and the gunny that was supposed to do my audition um canceled because of a snowstorm and she couldn't make it to Ohio and she wasn't going to be able to reschedule me for like another year oh so I just took that yeah I took that as a sign to it's you know I got to do something when I leave high school and I can't wait a year um so I walked across the hall to the Navy office and signed up. Um, yeah, and I, um, the recruiters weren't as good, but they they did their job. And um, when I went to sign up, I joined DEP, the delayed entry program. I was there for like eight or nine months because um, I wanted to do one last like family summer vacation before I signed my life away. And then... Um, after I took the ASVAB and everything, they gave me air traffic controller. They literally handed me one piece of paper and were like, this is the only job we have available. You either take it or you don't enlist today. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm enlisting. I guess this will be my job. And um, it worked out great. I love, I still love air traffic control, even though I don't do it anymore. Um, but it was a great job. And yeah, so that's kind of how I got that's into funny. it. It's funny that you bring up air traffic controller because me being Air Force, um, yeah, I get family members and friends all the time. You know, hey, my son's now getting up to that age and all that stuff. What do you recommend? I'm like, well, I'll always recommend the Air Force because every mm -hmm. Marine and Army guy I've ever talked to are like, should have joined the Air Force. Like, always <laughs> the same. Um, well, they'll tease the hell out of us, you know, the chair force and golf courses and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they... They wish they were in the Air Force and uh, made life a little easier on themselves, I guess. But I yeah. will always suggest, I'm like, all right, do you know what you want to do when you get out? And most of them are like, no, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And so I'm like, go into the Air Force, be an air traffic controller. You get out, yeah. you got a federal gig, <laughs> yep. and you, you're set. You are set. You're going to get the skills that you need while you're working for the military, free education, all that stuff. And then when you get out, you get all the benefits of doing the job and doing it for a living because you already got on the job experience, probably mm -hmm. the hardest on the job experience because of the, the level of, you know, you're getting all the athletic planes and, and all the cargo planes and all that stuff coming in and out, yeah. especially during war and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. so you did air traffic control in the Navy. Was it, um, land or was it on the ships? Uh, both. So my first duty station was on a ship. Um, it wasn't an aircraft carrier. It's an amphibious assault ship. If you're familiar, most people don't know what that is. I just call it a baby carrier. Um, and it's all helicopters. Like we don't do fighter jets. Um, but we okay. did aviate the Harriers, which are replaced by the F-35s now. So you're like vertical takeoff jets we do. Um, but most, primarily helicopters, not quite the like op tempo of a carrier by any means because it just can't handle that it doesn't have a catapult um or a resting gear um so you can only land one at a time clear the deck and then land another um okay but yeah i did just shy of four years on a ship in san diego um only did one deployment with them but that was a lot of fun um and then I went to an air station in Maryland, so Naval Air Station, Patuxent River, and I still live by there now. Um, and I was there for just shy of six years. 
Okay. I just got yeah. back from San Diego. First time I'd ever been there. Uh, oh, nice. I went out there for the, the police conference, the IACP. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's the first time I'd ever been around Navy ships. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as an Air Force guy, I'm looking, I'm like, they're so gigantic. The yeah. ships are huge. Yeah. And um, when you fly into San Diego, if you come in the on a certain runway, you fly right over the, um, we call it, well, Naval Base San Diego, basically, where all the ships are. Okay. I did not get to see that. But, yeah. you know, obviously, when you get out, uh, took an Uber to my um, hotel, and that was right on the bay side there. So mm-hmm. I, the ships were just all the time coming in yeah. and out. Mm-hmm. So I got a question for you, since you're a Navy person. One of the ships was going by, and it was like all the sailors were standing on the edge of it. Yeah. Why? Like, is there, are they told to do that? What's the, what's the reason behind that? Um, it's called manning the rails and it's a naval tradition when you pull into, um, a U.S. port. And so that ship was either, was it an aircraft carrier that you saw? Um, I don't know. I Um, I mean, it had a flat surface on the top, but I couldn't tell you if it was an aircraft Um, you typically only do that when you're leaving or returning from deployment or if you are arriving in a U.S. port on deployment. Um, so that ship was either just coming home from deployment or leaving for deployment. Oh, and okay. it's I do not quote me on this because my naval history is pretty bad, but I think it's like a tribute to like fallen sailors in the past. And so you man it from a certain point entering the port all the way up until you're docked and you stand at parade rest the whole time. It is pain. <laughs> it really sucks, but it's a, you know, a proud tradition to be a part of too. Yeah. Navy's got a lot of them. They did yeah. more so than, than most of the others. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably the Navy and the Marines probably have the most substantial traditions. Yeah. Well, and the m- Marines can like do Navy's traditions too. So they get to, they get to dip on us, but we don't get to dip on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So now part of this show is, is a, is an educational thing. Um, so what I would like to do is any, anybody out there that is considering being an air traffic controller and stuff like that, I kind of want them to know what goes into that, the training and how long it took and all of that stuff. So can you go into like, all right, you know, you get done with boot and I know you got to go to your, for Air Force, we call them our tech school, but mm-hmm. um, whatever you guys call it, like how long did it take? How, what was the process like? Was it like boot camp again? So can you go into that? Uh, yeah. So after boot camp, you go to Pensacola, Florida for, we call it a school. Um, and you hang out there until they're ready for a new class to start, basically until they get enough air traffic controller graduates from boot camp to fill up a whole class of people, then they'll class you up. Um, and I want to say my class size was like, it re- it ranges from probably five to 15 people in a class. Um, and it's very intense. Um, just to put it into perspective, the Navy school is four months, 16 weeks. And if you were to go to the FAA school, it's um, six to 12 months, I think, depending. So you are cramming um, the same exact certificate that federal air traffic controllers get in four months in the Navy. Um, and so you have, it's changed since I went through. I went through school in the end of 2013, beginning of 2014. They have, um, 
they have a different way of testing now that I'm not too familiar with, but the topics are the same. And uh, you have like 12 maybe different phases that you go through. So like, let's say your first class is aviation weather, and that's the easiest. And it's kind of a um, reality check into how difficult the testing is. And you get like a day to learn these subjects too. Um, the harder subjects, you get like two or three days, but you um, cram all of this information and it's just an instructor reading from the book. Like it's nothing fun. And then you go home and study and take these hardest tests I've ever taken in my life. And I had like decent grades in high school, um, but they're all made to like you have to you have to know the answer. You can't do process of elimination because it's just one letter or one comma and it's all written by lawyers. Anyway, very difficult tests and you have to get through. Um, you have to pass with, I think, a 70 or higher. Um, and you have to keep like your GPA at a certain point in order to keep moving forward in the classes. If you fail a test, then you get pushed back a class. So you go to the class that classed up a week after you and then get a chance to retake it. And if you fail a test, for me, it was twice. I think now they do a three strikes and you're out thing because the military's hurting for people. So they're gonna give people more chances. <laughs> um, and if you fail, then you go into like an academic review board and they decide if they're gonna give you another chance or if they're gonna kick you out of being a controller, you get sent back and they'll assign you another job that's less difficult. Um, so yeah, you have four months of that, just pretty much uh, cramming for a test. You take the test in the morning. And then as soon as you come back from taking that test, you're cramming for another subject. Um, and after your four weeks are up, then you get um, assigned a duty station. And it used to be based off of your performance in the class, like your ranking. Um, I think now it's just random. Like you, they would, uh, an officer would come into your class and be like, all right, you have the highest GPA. You get to pick from this list where you want to go. So of course, like the shore duty or like, yeah, shore duty and California and Florida were always taken first and then ships were for the people that didn't get good grades. <laughs> but yeah. Is there, is there a bunch in Alaska by chance or is that all Coast Guard? Uh, there are no bases in Alaska for the Navy. There no, used to be, none. but there isn't one anymore. Okay. I was just, you know, so close to Russia, lots of water around. I figured there'd be something over there, but um mm -hmm. I know I think Washington, closest... Washington would be the closest. Okay. Um all right, so you get through, uh you go through all the testing and it sounds mm -hmm. very that's how the military is with with any of their like they make you do stuff fast and yeah. and learn under pressure. And it's a big pain in the ass. So for any of you guys that are like, well, I just won't be an air traffic controller. Well, I hate to tell you, like, it's, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's in any yeah. profession you do. And, and that's the way they look at it. You're learning a profession within the military. For me, it was being a cop. Same thing. Four months was my school, I think. And every week you had your phases. And if you screwed up, then you got bumped back, you know, mm -hmm. um, Luckily, I didn't. I made it through as fast as you can. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I had kind of a heads up. I'd already went to college. I almost had my, um, my bachelor's finished for criminal justice. So being a cop, going into mm -hmm. the military to be a cop was, it just made the transition a little bit easier. 
And yeah. uh, I, di- I didn't go right in at 17, 18 years old like most. I went in at like 22, 23. So a little, little delayed. Um, yeah, I tried you had to, more experience. I tried, yeah, I tried to do college, but um, I wasn't ready for that level of freedom. So that's why I switched <laughs> over to joining the military. Uh, yeah. Now, going through the Navy training as a female in air traffic control, were you the only female or was it pretty, pretty divided? you're a business owner or an HOA, please stop and listen to me right now. If you're just listening to the audio, do yourself a favor and watch the YouTube version of this episode to get a visual of what I'm about to tell you. I want to tell you guys about Insight LPR. It's a license plate reader. If your agency, community, or business is looking to invest in LPR to help solve and deter crime or to make your community safer, Insight LPR has my vote of confidence. I've met with their team. They know their LPRs, guys. Uh, They're the real deal. They bring over 75 years of collective experience to building LPR cameras and the software that supports communities across the country. The other thing I really like about this team is how much they listen to law enforcement. They understand the importance of working together with law enforcement and getting their input as they build and innovate products and their service to match the needs of law enforcement. In other words, when I complain or have suggestions to make their damn camera better, they actually do it. The Insight LPR team is extremely passionate and takes pride in their product development, which makes their cameras some of the most durable cameras in the market. For the gear nerds out there, what that means is this stuff's made of military-grade aluminum and is nitrogen-purged, whatever that means. This design makes the cameras rugged and able to withstand harsh weather elements. Here's the big selling point for me. Their nighttime scan accuracy is higher than most of the leading competitors. In my opinion, this is what sets them apart. As we know, the majority of crimes occur at night, so it's critical to have high scan accuracy at night. Insights cameras check the box with the nighttime plate read accuracy greater than 96 96% guys. That's pretty freaking high. If your community is looking to invest in LPR technology, reach out to one of their experts today or reach out to me. Tell them two cops, one donut sent you. Uh, no, it's very divided. Um, my class started with, Ooh, I don't remember our starting numbers, but there was one other female with me in my class and then she got pushed back. Um, several times. She eventually ended up graduating and a few females would get pushed back into my class, but I was the only one to make it through that stayed with my class. Like I never got pushed back. Um, so I was, I think one of like eight, the one female uh, and then seven other men in my graduating class. Um, and we go to the training, we go to the same school or Marines go to the same school as us. So there were like two Marines five Navy guys. Okay. So in that, did you experience any discrimination, anything like that being female? Was it, Um, it, it's a male dominated military. I can tell you that. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. You get, um, women get special treatment in the military, even if you don't ask for it. And, um, I remember there's, so there's beyond the testing, there's three phases that you have to go through in air traffic control school. And the first phase is just classroom and tests. And that's where you take like 12 tests in like a month. Um, and then the second phase is for the tower. So, um, I think when most people think of air traffic controllers, they think of the huge control tower that you see and at an airport. Um, so the first phase is that, and it's a simulator that you go in and that's what people say is the hardest and you get exposed to different instructors during that time. So we had, you have one instructor that gets you through the 
classroom instruction and then you switch instructors for, we call it block two. And we had a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps that was known for being a hothead. And he would, you would make the smallest mistake and he would chew you out screaming. Like you would hear him down the hall and Oh, I think his name was Staff Sergeant Marshall, I think. And you just knew it was him. You would hear him yelling and be like, oh, there goes Staff Sergeant Marshall again. And But he wouldn't yell at me. And I would make the same mistake as a dude next to me. And um, it was all men instructors, but our block like supervisor was a female chief, which is an E7. And I we like went back to our little lounge room for like a small break and all these guys were like, man, Coslo, you don't get chewed out. Like we do. It's cause you're in the, something like it's cause you're a woman or, and I was like, uh, I would kind of dish it back to them. I'd be like, well, maybe I'm just better than you, but I knew I wasn't, I just, I was still messing up. Um, so that evening or I don't remember, we had some downtime. I talked to the female chief and I was like, Hey chief, I just want, um, would you mind talking to Staff Sergeant Marshall for me? Because I think, like, I can handle it. He can yell at me. I don't want him to think that he's going to, like, make me cry. Or, um, you know, if he's going to yell at all of these men, he can yell at me, too. And are you, would you be able to talk to him for me? And she was like, yeah, that's really awesome that you said that. And I was like, it, I shouldn't have to say it. Um, but... So then the next day I messed up and he just ripped into me and I was like holding back a smile. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm finally getting the same treatment. And um, then we walked back in and they were like about time you got chewed out. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Um, I finally, I finally messed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did told. like, I did kind of notice it and I didn't know how to bring it up. And I'm sure I called my parents or something to ask about it. Um, Cause my stepdad raised me like if you deserve the same treatment as a man, like if, um, and you should never ask for special treatment because you're a woman or expect it. And uh, so I think I did ask them for advice on like how to handle that situation. And then the guys in my class bringing it up to me was kind of the last straw. I was like, I am not going to get, like when we go to graduate, y'all are going to look at me just like I did the same exact work that you guys did. And I don't want anyone to question that. So it was pretty um, even after that. Yeah, I kind of went through a similar thing um, being older. You know, it, yeah. it's weird to say, but at 23, you're an you old, old dude in, in, in basic. <laughs> yeah. And I went in in May. So all of those people in boot had just graduated high school. So I was like an old dude in the class yeah. and I had a little life experience. I'm not gonna say a whole bunch, but I rarely got talked to about anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it went noticed They're like, you know, well, the old man can't screw up and stuff like that. And, um, finally, like there's things that would get me in trouble and I'll give you one quick <laughs> personal funny story. Um, we're standing under the overhang for chow. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, it's San Antonio, so it's hot. And, uh, just standing at parade rest waiting. And there's these pigeons up in the rafters above us. It's the only thing to look at really, you know? So I'm staring straight ahead, but looking up and I see this male pigeon, big pig. It was just a big pigeon and he's going back and forth. 
and he's he's cooing, making these weird noises, and I realize, oh, he's boning these two female pigeons oh on either side of him. He's going back and forth, just trying to get at both of them. And I had no military bearing. I had none. I would laugh at everything. I was always laughing. I just wasn't getting caught. But I see this, and I start laughing a little bit, and I kick my buddy's foot in front of me and whisper, like, look up. And uh, he's he puts his head, like, down, like, showing me, like, no, I'm not looking up. I, he didn't he didn't want nothing of it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, maybe he's done. And I look up again, and nope, there he is going to town again. I mean, he's really getting after it. And then I feel the the hat on my neck. The the drill instructor had take his taken his little clickers off of his boots. So for those who don't know, there's there's these things that help keep you in step. I, I can't remember what the name of them is, but the uh, drill instructors will wear them on their boots, and you can hear them walk around, click 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 click, click and it's they'll tap their heels together and all that shit. Well, he took those off. He went stealth mode, as we call it, and uh, he snuck right up on me, had his hat on my neck, and he's like, he goes, "Let's play a game." He goes. The game is, you make me laugh, no punishment. I don't laugh, everybody gets punished, and you oh, get no. to watch. And I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, fair enough. I was like, permission to move freely, sir? And he goes, oh, by all means. The, sh- <laughs> the floor, he's like, the floor is yours, Levine. I'm like, all right, all right. It's like, sir, and I point up at the pigeons. See those pigeons up there? He goes, the pigeons, that's what's funny? Pigeons. I was like, see the big one in the middle there? He's like. The one's got a little white on his shoulder. Like, he's playing along. The one's got a little white on the shoulder. He's like, yeah, yeah, that one, sir. He's like, yeah, yeah, I see that one. I see him. What about him? I was like, just watch him. He goes, how long do I got to watch? He's like, because the longer I watch, the more y'all push. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, just give really it two minutes. Really hoping it works. <laughs> yeah, I was like, just give it two minutes. And so he gets his watch up. He's like, two minutes and go. And as soon as he said, and go, that pigeon was like on cue, just started pumping the shit out of it. And I, so his, his back is kind of to me. I can kind of see like the side of his face. Cause you know how their hats are. He's looking up Yeah. and, uh, he turns all the way from me. Like all I can see is his back and I see his shoulders just slightly bounce (laughs) up and down. It made him laugh. He didn't make an audible laugh, but it made him laugh. Mm-hmm. And he just said, fall back in. And, and he just walks away. <laughs> and uh, so when I graduated, um, he he comes up to my my parents and my my wife and is like, you know, it's like uh, Airman Levine uh, was a good troop. Like, he's very straightforward. Airman Levine was a good troop. Um, proud to have him. And then uh, he's like, you know you guys should be proud. And he starts walking away and he's like, and he's the first one to break me. And he just keeps walking. Oh, away. I was like, yes. So <laughs> I did it, was, it. Yeah. It was, it was funny. It was man. That's like, to this day, it's probably the one memory that stands out the most for me as a, from basic. And, uh, yeah. I did, like I said, I didn't get in a whole lot of trouble, but I think it was cause of my age and mm-hmm. I, I was a little more slick than some of the younger guys. Yeah, I, I think most of the if you were old enough to drink in boot camp, you were an old person in boot camp. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. how we looked at it. Yeah. And they were all like when you finally got base freedom, they're like, go get us beer. And I'm like, no. No way. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Nope. If you, you want look that. at an underage drinker in in A school, you're going to see the man. Like, uh uh-uh. Yep. Nope. No, thank you. You're not worth it. <laughs> yeah, no. That's what I tell everyone. You're not worth yeah. my career. 
Nope. I will, I will gladly fade the. You can be mad at me. You'll get it. I know you'll get booze somewhere. It's just not going to mm-hmm. be for me. So yeah, and I'm not going to watch you when you do it. Yeah, yeah. Figure it out. Yep. <laughs> So, um, okay. So you little, a little favoritism, which listen, you know, hindsight, 2020 girl, I would have said, just roll with it and (laughs) screw it. No, I just, I was this like 18 year old that was like, I need to prove that I can hang with all the men. And, you know, I didn't, um, I hate, like, even to this day, I hate like looking weaker because I'm a female. I want to be just as good, if not better than all the men I'm working with. So, um, I just really felt like I had something to prove when I was in school. That's kind of when I was getting in, I was going to do the Marines as well. Mm-hmm. And they did the delayed entry thing, or I'm sorry, not delayed entry, but told me it would be like a year. Um, and so I was like, what the fuck? I'm not, I don't want to wait. And I was just like, you, yeah. I didn't want to wait. And um, so then I went directly to the air force. They were the ones, they were the next closest ones. I knew not the Navy cause I hate swimming. I didn't realize Marines swim. Um, so just tell you <laughs> Probably more. Yeah, right. So uh, I hadn't really quite thought that out, but it's a good thing I didn't. I just, I don't like swimming. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then I'm like, all right, well, it's either being an army or the air force. And I would much rather do the air force than the army. So went over, did the air force thing and uh, it worked out for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Took full advantage of it. Got um I don't know about you, but I fully used my GI Bill, got my master's degree, you know, mm-hmm. got paid twice because I went to do two different police academies. Oh, that's so awesome. I try to tell these guys like there's so many benefits of the military. Yeah. They use you, but you gotta use them back. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I fin- our- I was I was able to finish my degree while I was active duty. Um but I, and I don't have anyone to transfer my GI bill to. So I plan on finding a way to use it. I just, uh, haven't figured it out yet. I also just got out like a month ago. So, Oh yeah. Um, I have time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so that's, that's good. Let's talk about that a little bit, um, mm-hmm. for our, cause I know the veteran owned business page is going to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we'll, once, once we get done, we'll, I'll post clips and then we'll put the clips on there for them for them guys to see so once you get out um you hopefully you paid into the gi bill um Mm -hmm. uh and you get that when you get out but i finished my bachelor's degree while i was in and Mm -hmm. for those that don't know basically you get uh tuition assistance uh, or in some cases reimbursement just depends on how much your college is um but yeah, the, the military, it doesn't touch your GI bill. So the military will pay mm-hmm. for your school while you're in. And yeah. it's, it's the huge advantage. I think when I was going, it was like 4,500 a year that they'll pay towards your college. And that was plenty um, yeah. for, uh, you know, as long as you're not picky. <laughs> yeah. So, cause I did the Navy have a few different college options there on the, on the ship or on the base that you were at? Um, yeah. So the. Naval Base San Diego, it's one of the biggest bases for the Navy. So they had a whole college building where like you could, it was like a shopping mall for colleges and you could just talk to all of them. They would explain how all of it works and um, the different programs. And you could, you basically had your pick of colleges. Um, And then when you're on the ship, it's different. They don't recommend that you, if you're, if you're going to be deployed during your, um, 
semester or whenever you're taking classes, you the Navy has a program called NC PACE, which is Navy College Program for Afloat College Education. And they actually send college professors on deployment with us. And you we I think we got to like vote the classes that we wanted and there would only be maybe two to four classes. Um, so a seven month deployment, they would have like two or four three month classes and run two at a time. So it was like an English and a math. And then the next one would be like English two and whatever math, algebra two or something. And um, you could take it that way. And then all of your credits would be submitted after the deployment, but you couldn't do online college um, I actually think I did. I just communicated with my professor and was allowed to turn everything in on my own time because you don't have you don't have reliable internet. Um, but outside of being on a ship underway, like out to sea, um, you pretty much have your pick of colleges as long as they're um, they only pay what two hundred and fifty dollars a credit hour, I think. So as long as that college's prices are equal to what the tuition assistance will pay, you can go to whatever college you want or you have to pay the difference. Right. Yeah. Um, I, mine was always covered. Matter of fact, I think I got a little bit of that money back. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) How awesome would that be as an instructor? And like, Hey, you want to ride on the ship with us for a few months? That would be pretty cool. Hopefully you don't get motion sickness. (laughs) Oh, that's the other thing I do. I, I never used to get it. And then we recently went, um, we go to the Caribbean um, for our, uh, you know, annual vacation. We like the Caribbean a lot. So mm-hmm. I like to deep sea fish. Well, we went deep sea fishing and it was like the oh. roughest <laughs> waters I'd ever, ever encountered when going out and doing that. Mm-hmm. And I was a fucking wreck the whole time. I was just, oh. it, it was funny because I was like a champion though. Like it was me and one other guy and a fish would get on and you take turns where when the fish gets on, that guy gets it. And then the next one's mine. Well, I'm over there just over the side, just (laughs) praying to the sea gods to let me get through. And then another fish got on. I just, I puke and I run over there and I reel that fucker in. And then I'm like, all right, I'm done. And I run back over and start throwing up some more. I don't know what happened, but I lost it and I don't know how to get it back. (laughs) Oh my God. So sailors have like the opposite issue we get land sick um because we're so you especially like if you were out to sea for so long you get used to that like constant movement and then when you get on land your body just doesn't know how to function and I got it and I was like throwing up for like a week straight I couldn't keep any food down I had these massive headaches and I told my mom like I think I have um food poisoning or maybe my body just can't adjust to because ship food and normal human food that you get at a restaurant right. are two different things. And yeah. um, you have to adjust back to ship food when you go out to sea and you have to adjust again when you eat normal food. And uh, but I think it was just a combination of all of that. And um, yeah, it's a real thing. And it's yeah. a lot of fun seeing like these big, tough Marines come on our ship for the first time. And they are just yakking everywhere. It's so bad. And it's really entertaining. It? How do you, you get just get used it? to it? Yeah, your body really? just gets used to it. Oh. Yeah, but it's pretty like used to it. Yeah, you you get like haze vision kind of. Like everything just feels a little funny. And then you um 
I mean, at least on a big ship, like what I was on, it's just a constant like sway that you feel unless you're in really bad seas. Um, but usually a week, well, most people get used to it. Oh, fuck that. No, thanks. <laughs> I was so miserable. It's, it's entertaining what, do they, though. Do they let you like, let's say you are super seasick. Do they like accommodate or do they like, no, go do your job. Oh yeah. No, you don't get time off for being seasick. you you're like, you're a wuss if you can't handle it. Oh, yeah. I couldn't do shit. I was done. <laughs> I, was I mean, like, if you I... needed to throw up or something, we would just tell you to like carry a bucket with you while you work. But um, if you had a really bad reaction, you could go to medical and they'll probably give you some Dramamine or whatever you need to not be sick. But um, I'd be like, do you have an IV of it? Let's go. <laughs> no, nah, you're a sailor. You got to be able to, you got to hang. <laughs> oh, no, thanks. Ne- ne- oh. ever since then now i'm like paranoid i don't want like i won't do a cruise ship um really i've and i've done like i said i've never had a problem i've been on the sea plenty of times i grew up fishing now i know i'd be fine on a just a regular old little lake boat but mm-hmm. the ocean's a different beast so it is yeah no thank you and you can't That's catch bad. a break <laughs> do they teach you guys like before you ever go out like here's what you can expect and here's how you deal with it here's tricks of the trade nothing no no damn they just throw you to the wolves (laughs) yeah (laughs) and enjoy the show yeah see what happens pretty much (laughs) yeah they uh we have to like tie everything down so every um like every any object that you think of like a chair or a desk they all have like a clip on them or you have to attach some kind of way to secure it to the wall or the floor and the most floors have like these um like the D rings that pop up out of the floor and you have to like clip your chairs and stuff to them. So if you have an office chair, you have to be able to clip it because if you're in rough seas, everything goes flying around and um, yeah, it's a good time. And I was in one office and we were in like 15, 16 foot seas, like in between Hawaii and California, which is really, really bad. And um, I got like pinned to the wall by a giant fax machine one time. That was fun. (laughs) Oh shit! Um, and I was like, "You guys didn't secure this receipt. What is wrong with you?" And they were like, "Well, we just usually catch it if it moves." And I was like, "This thing is bigger than me. I can't catch it." Um, what is it like when you're out there and the, like, what did you see like deadliest catch style freaking waves, or were you? Just, <laughs> um, sometimes reference I have. <laughs> That's a good reference. Um, I think deadliest catch like. It, the waves look bigger because the deck is lower and you can just like crash the water crashes over the ship. Um, right. And but, with you guys, you're bigger than almost everything out there. Yeah. The deck is like 35, 40 feet above the, the water line. So, um, so it takes a really a wave, huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Say if but, a wave hits that, it's a big beast. Right. But you, so the place that we sleep, which is called a birthing was on the third so a deck is below the main level and then a level is above the main level. So my, as far as like the layout of the ship goes, so my birthing was on the third deck. So it was three floors below the main level. Um, so that was below the water line. And so you were like sleeping underwater kind of. And, but oh, if you're so in heavy seas, the ship bobs up and down out of the water and you can hear the waves like crashing while you're sleeping. That sucked. But yeah. 
I guess it depends on how bad it sounded because I kind of like waves crashing in like the beach sounds, but I, but um, it yeah, sound it's like not, that. it's not peaceful. <laughs> it's a huge like smack against the side of the ship and just metal. Yeah. It's a good time. <laughs> now there's certain terms that I've heard about. Like if you go from the Pacific to the Atlantic or you go past the equator and all that mm-hmm. stuff, like you earn certain things for doing that. Do, do you yeah. know the names of all that stuff? Yeah, so I'm a shellback. That's what it's called when you cross the equator on a ship and you do a full shellback ceremony, which is a great time. Um, What's a shellback ceremony? uh, So it's kind of secretive to people who are shellbacks. Um, But the main gist of it is that anyone who is already a shellback on your deployment, um, they host the ceremony and they... Um, I believe the most seniors, like the shellback that's been a shellback for the longest is like the king, basically. And they go all out. They dress up like Davy Jones and his whole crew kind of feel. Yeah, like we go hard on for this. Ship? Yeah. And they do really? like a full the night before you do a talent show. So all of the if you're not a shellback, you're considered a slimy polywog. And it, this goes back, it's not just the Navy, it's just like seafarers in general. And I know it right. sounds ridiculous, but like the week, I love if it. you know, if you know you're doing a shellback ceremony, you immediately like, you're a nasty wog, get away from me. And I, my, I only did one deployment, so I didn't get to ever be on the giving end of a shellback ceremony. I was just on the receiving, but um, yeah, you they just they can come up with pretty much any rules you want on like what you wear and obviously within reason like it has to be appropriate but um we had to wear like our PT gear inside out um and backwards and <laughs> woke up at like 4 a.m. I don't I don't even know what time it was but all of the current shell bags ran around with like pots and pans clanking them together waking us up and get out of your rack your slimy log and we had to go just do all of these random things on the ship like um and there's no alcohol involved no (laughs) no Uh. (laughs) all stone cold sober (laughs) and uh eating like nasty breakfast just like eggs that they dyed green for some reason um and (laughs) for some reason (laughs) like cold sausage that was like leftover from yesterday's breakfast i don't know and you got like five seconds to eat your breakfast so you didn't eat um and then you had to like always like be linked with the other wogs in your group. And so you go up to the flight deck and there's like different stations of just people yelling at you. It was, it was a lot of fun. I know it sounds like hazing, but it wasn't. And it was like, it was just a really good experience. It's um, tradition. It's, yeah. It sucked, yeah. but it was fun. Like I have good memories looking back. Um, lots of like push ups on, if you know what non-skid pavement is, it's really, really rough. Um, it's the material that's on the flight deck. Um, okay. and it's to grip, grip the aircraft as they land. So it's extremely rough, Course stuff, like sandpaper. Yeah. yeah. Um, doing like push-ups and crawling on that, that hurt. Um, and they're like spraying you with a fire hose while you try to blow water out of the holes in the flight deck, which is just stupid, but they would like make <laughs> you do a push-up, and then you have to like blow the water out of the hole and then they would be spraying you with a fire hose at the same time and then yelling at you because there's water in the hole and just stupid stuff and lots of singing, um, random songs and 
Um, I'm trying to think what else. And so at the end, once your group sings good enough for Davy Jones, he approves you to become a shellback. And then you go and it's almost like a baptism, but in green water. And one of the shellbacks will like, the only way I can say it is they'll like baptize you in this water. And after you've dipped in that water and come out, then you're a shellback and no longer a log. Okay. I like it. And you get, they, it's ridiculous. I don't know what, I don't know where my coin is, but they have like a full like challenge coin. That's all decked out. We got a certificate and then a little card that you can like keep in your wallet so that if anyone challenges you, you can be like, bam, I'm a shellback. Yeah. Oh, that is fucking awesome. I mean, you probably just talked out a lot of people wanting to join the Navy, but I get it because I've been in the military. So Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, that's the main one. And then there's one for the Arctic Circle, which is blue nose, I think. I could be wrong. Um, But you do like the same thing, but up in the Arctic. And it's that doesn't sound fun to me. Not at all. It actually sounds a lot worse because I don't like being cold. Mm -hmm. That would be terrible. Yeah, no. Why the hell I'm are we good. up there? What are we doing up there? <laughs> There's know. nobody up there. <laughs> Maybe subs. I ain't trying to fight a sub. Let the other subs fight the subs. Yeah, I don't know. That's their job. <laughs> I know controllers that are, I think it's Blue Nose. I definitely could be wrong. But I know controllers that were on ships that went there. And I don't know why, but. Huh. Okay. So on your, you're doing your job. You're you're out there. You're air traffic controller um, in your you're doing it for real now. What was that experience like going from like learning, you know, the actual real job you're out there, mm-hmm. you know, and going to do the real thing. And I'm sure you're, they're not going to just throw you to the wolves on that. Cause people's lives are on the line with the yeah helicopters and stuff. So what was that like for you? Um, well, are you referring to like the ship or yeah. Yeah. On the ship. Okay. Um, well, it's very different. So everywhere everywhere you go as a controller, you start from scratch. Um, just because you've controlled at uh, Fallon where they, you know, where Top Gun was recorded and stuff, just because you've controlled at Fallon doesn't mean you can control in Oceana, Virginia. Like you, and same with a ship, every ship you go to, you have to relearn the way they do things. And um, so you start training with an instructor. So you're both like plugged into the same con console but your instructor has the ability to override you for when you mess up because you're going to mess up um but the only way to learn is to do when air traffic control so you'll um on the ship you'll just watch them do it and then you have to like take a test to show that you have like the base knowledge and once your training chief um which is typically an e7 approves you to start training then you'll hop on with an instructor and Um, You'll start off like parroting. The instructor will tell you what to say and then you say it and then you just slowly do it yourself. And then if you mess up, they correct you. Um, And there's different like positions that you can get qualified on um, as a controller. And yeah, so you just work your way from basically the easiest to the hardest. And it's pretty cutthroat because there's not enough time my ship only had 15 controllers, um, but an aircraft carrier has about 60 just to put it into perspective. Yeah. A carrier is just a whole different beast and they never stop flying basically. So you have to have enough people. 
Um, but for me on an amphib, you can pretty much do one crew for the whole day um, or two if you have enough people. But um, once you get like the baby, we call them the baby quals out of the way, then it's a more cutthroat to get to the bigger quals. And it's more based on like your performance on things other than air traffic control. Like the shipboard, you know, everyone has to be an, a sailor too. You don't just control aircraft when you're on a ship. You have to learn firefighting. You have to learn security, um, force protection stuff. And when we're when we hit a port, you have to stand arm watches and help protect the ship. You know, so um, if you're like earning your other quals to contribute to the ship, then you get rewarded with doing air traffic control, basically. Um, okay. And if you suck at controlling, you're not going to train anymore. And if you're decent at controlling and you're doing what you need to do with your shipboard qualifications, then they'll keep training you further as long as there's a spot open and the flight ops to control. Um, and then rank plays a deal into it too. Obviously, your um, E6 is going to get trained before an airman, which is an E3 or below. Okay. Now, had while you were doing that, did you ever see any, any crashes, anything like that? Um, we had a couple mishaps. That's what we call them. Air, airplanes don't crash. They have rough landings. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we never had anything horrible. Um, I'm going to say the first, actually, I take that back the first, um, two weeks of our deployment. So you leave we left San Diego and went off the coast to Hawaii and hit Hawaii. Um, but we were off the coast doing this little exercise and a V-22 Osprey did crash and a few Marines died right at the beginning of our deployment. Um, so that was a rough start. But once we were actually in our like operating area off the Middle East, um, just like one pilot um, that I actually did his brief. So we're responsible for briefing the flight crews before um, their operations start just with random information about where the ship is and what kind of approaches you can expect and a bunch of like air traffic control knowledge to tell them. Um, I was doing a brief to one of the pilots and he really didn't want to hear what I had to say because I was 19 on deployment, but I was qualified to do this. And um, anyway, he, uh, kind of shut me down and was like, I'm going to teach you how to do your job. You're not going to teach me how to do mine. And so I just was like, okay, sir. I just sat there and listened to him and he pulled out my publication and tried to educate me on why, what I was teaching him was wrong. Anyway, he goes to fly that day and he didn't listen to the LSO, which is, um, so he helps them actually land. Um, it's a pilot that's up in like, um, we call it pri-fly, basically windows so that you can see the flight deck. We don't, we're in a radar room. So we get them to where they can see the ship and then the LSO takes over. Um, guides them in. Yeah. And he tells them like, if you're too high, low, if you need to slow down, move left or right, whatever. And he didn't listen to the LSO and he decided to land anyway. And he was too low and he chopped the landing gear off on his Harrier. Just slid? And yeah, kind of just slid onto the flight deck. And the gear landed in the hangar bay. Like people that were working in there saw this like gear just fly in. 
and he messed up the flight deck. We had to close that spot for a few months until we could get it fixed. He got sent home. And I, that whole time I was just thinking karma, dude, like <laughs> that <laughs> sucks for you. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So you guys have rough landings. You don't have crashes. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um, I got a question about the captain. That's the top dog on the ship, right? But that's not the top yeah. rank. He is. He's is that, the highest. Yeah. Is okay. So captain is the highest rank. Yeah, captain is O six in the navy. Okay, and that's the highest rank on the ship. Yeah, sometimes like an I know admiral. There's like there's admirals and stuff like that, but yeah, but the captain he doesn't matter if there's an admiral on board or not. He runs that ship, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're in the ship and you're just walking around. You know, you're like, I want to go to Chow or whatever, and the captain passes by, like. What is that interaction? I I always wonder what that interaction's like because that's it. That's that's the most prestigious rank in my opinion in the navy. I mean, um, controlling the ship. Yeah, you just you call attention on deck, and everyone stops what they're doing, and they stand up to attention, and then okay. he'll just he or she. We only had men, male captains. Um, will tell you at ease whenever. And um, it's not that big a deal because you see him all the time. You're, you literally live with the dude kind of. So yeah, you get used okay. to him. Um, and is there more than one captain for a ship or is it just, it's him. And if something happens, they go wake his ass up. Pretty much. Um, there's the commit, the captain is the commanding officer. And then the second in charge is the executive officer. And he is also a captain, but he's not the captain. Okay. I'm just yeah. curious because I know you know somebody's got they got to sleep sometime. So you know, yeah, they when, when, they're overall responsible for like the navigation, just the operation of the ship as a whole. But then you have junior officers that are actually in charge of directing the ship, and the okay. captain only steps in like <laughs> um, ours likes to be um, on the bridge, which is where the actual like ship controls are. He liked to be there for flight ops um, or if there was like nighttime recoveries or something, if there's certain evolutions going on, he'll go up there. Um, but there's junior officers like O one to O three that actually control the ship. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I got, like, I, like I said, I don't <laughs> talk to Navy people that often. So I, <laughs> I, I, I want to, I got all these questions. Um, what if somebody falls off? Like how big that of a oh shit moment is that? Huge. It's a huge deal. Um, it's called man overboard and we do drills for them way too much. Um, and you have two minutes for the entire ship to go to their workplace basically. And you know, a, a man overboard never happens at noon. It happens at 3am cause and that's when by. our drills are. Yeah. Yeah. So you have different people have different jobs. Some people, their only job is to go to their workplace and you have to muster, which is just, check-in um and everyone has to call um this central office to say that we're all accounted for or everyone's accounted for with the exception of this person and that's how you find out who's in the water is everyone mustering within two minutes and um yeah they suck because you <laughs> drill it a lot and yeah. it doesn't matter what you're doing you have to drop you could be in the shower you got to put something on as soon as you can put your flip-flops on and run upstairs to um 
to <laughs> just coming down like a soaked for. rat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. Or just straight out of bed or, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You got to get up to your workspace as soon as possible. Um, it sucks when it's on my deployment, we never had an actual man overboard. There were a lot of false alarms. If like a, um, like a life jacket got thrown overboard, they light up when they're in the water. So if someone sees it, they're going to call man overboard. Oh, um, okay. So yeah, lots of stuff like that would happen. Um, I did go to another ship um, for some training and to help them train their controllers. And we did have a real man overboard and they were able to recover them. No shit. I, I hear it's mm-hmm. really difficult. Like it doesn't matter, you know, like you. Yeah. If you're, well, the ship is going, I don't know, 20 knots, maybe. I, I don't know how fast ships go, but if the ship is going, even if it's 15 miles an hour in two minutes, plus the drift of the ocean and the wind and the current and you can be really far. And there's people that have to, um, like mark the ship's location as soon as it happens and they factor in drift and the current and wind and all of that stuff to try to help determine where they think the person would be. Um, but it's, it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nightmare. There's no way, Mm -hmm. especially at night when it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the blackest of black that it could be. People don't understand the difference when there's no light pollution and I'm sure the ships, yeah, I'm sure the ships have, you know, tactical moments where they're blacked out. So Mm -hmm. you got no lights on deck. You got no lights in the water. Yeah. It would be kind of cool to see the stars that way. It is really cool. Yeah. I was going to say, I bet you, you see an unfettered night sky. That would be pretty cool to see. Yeah. You're not really allowed um, outside after dark because you have to keep the ship dark. Um, But on the few occasions that we have been, it's been really cool. Yeah. You see a lot more. Now I've seen movies do this, but is this a real thing where they'll stop the ship and you guys get to get out and swim? That's yeah, real. That. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. What are you doing? Yeah. The sharks. <laughs> um, you have a shark watch. There's Marines that man a little inflatable boat with a machine gun. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's not yeah, as have, bad. Yeah. You I mean, have I, a watch I, on the flight deck and then someone out on a boat too. Well, that's pretty cool. That makes sense then. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take that initial bite when somebody's slacking in their job and, you know, you're bleeding out, but no, I'm sure you guys pretty... don't. I was going to say, they I'm sure you guys don't swim in those. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. No, thanks. That's terrifying. <laughs> do you, no, do it was you, really cool. Did you jump off the deck into the water? It's pretty high. I couldn't see you You jump off, off the aircraft elevator. So that was about 34 feet above the water. And then the actual okay. flight deck is way too high. It's unsafe. Um, okay. But they... I noticed when the ship went by, there's this big ass hole cut out of it where it looked like there was mm-hmm. a crane and all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what do they do there? Cause it looks like there's a hole in the <laughs> hull. Yeah. That's probably the hangar bay. That's where like the aircraft or any maintenance goes on down there. And then there's an elevator on each side that brings the aircraft from the hangar bay up to the flight deck. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, so I we lowered the elevator to the hangar bay and jumped off from there. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's still terrifying, but it was scary. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'd do it again, but it hurt. <laughs> I was gonna say it's still pretty high. Yeah. Um. 
I found it was a TikTok. I was going down the the TikTok, you know, couldn't go to sleep and just kept mm-hmm. scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And I ran across this guy complaining about what food is like on a Navy ship. And so I clicked on it and I'm watching. I'm like, let me see what else he has. So I go down that. Ew. Ew. Navy yeah. food on a ship is disgusting. And I don't know if it was just his ship, what it was. But, I mean, some of them had damn mealworms in them and all sorts of nasty shit. And It's, it's not good. And he's just sitting there recording everything. I'm like, man, you're going to get yourself in trouble, kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, it goes through phases. There. Yeah, definitely phases. of. Um, it depends on the stock because sometimes, like, depending on your ship's location, um, like, a ship only can stay stocked for food for, like, two weeks, or at least my ship could. So you have to get a replenishment at sea, which is a supply ship will come out and meet you in the middle of the ocean and you line up literally side by side and then um, have this like pulley system that brings pallets over to your ship and you have to unload them. Um, I guess I'm just tossing it over the side. No. (laughs) And then if there's a helicopter, there's a couple helicopters too that will pick up pallets and to help speed up the process. Um, Okay. But if we have to go longer without replenishment than planned, then, yeah, we're going to be eating. I remember one dinner, we only had chicken breasts, pasta, and crackers, and no, like, sauce. It was just cooked pasta. Super dry, salty foods. Yeah, and our (laughs) air conditioners, yeah, it was so bad. It, like, wasn't cooked all the way. The chicken, you couldn't eat it because the cooks didn't cook it through. Um, and then the, there's a ship store, like a little, I don't know, Seven Eleven on the ship that you can buy like better snacks from. Um, oh. but the galley, like the kitchen was so low on food that the ship store donated all of its Ritz crackers. So they took our salad bar and just dumped Ritz crackers in there and put a spoon so you could like spoon Ritz crackers onto your tray. <laughs> and... Yeah, <laughs> our um, air conditioning units, a couple of them went out, so they had to prioritize the AC to the spaces. Luckily, air traffic control was one of them that had equipment that had to stay cool. So the mess decks, like where you eat, wasn't a priority. And we were in the Persian Gulf in August, uh, hot. Like the water temperature was 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, um, it's that hot there. Yeah. Oh, and. Shit. So you're like sitting there dripping sweat and like, I'm literally dripping my sweat onto my food, trying to blot it. And none of the, like the water machine couldn't stay, couldn't keep the water cold. So you're drinking hot water, beating sweat. And like everyone's sweat is on the table cloth and everything. It was just, I cried at that dinner. I was like, there's no point to even eating. (laughs) This is so sad. (laughs) Nasty. But we got food later. Yeah. Dang. You should have packed away some MREs. Really, I would have rather eaten an MRE than that. Yeah, that's that's when I saw this guy's food. I goes, I'd eat MREs. I just mm-hmm. pack them bitches up and just yeah. in case there's an emergency. But some of the get- food was really good. So like we got a replenishment right before Thanksgiving, and they went all out for our Thanksgiving dinner. It was delicious. Like I would have eaten that for my real Thanksgiving. But it yeah. also depends on the cook too. Because the cooks were probably taking pride in that meal and happy to do it rather than yeah, chicken and noodles. 
Yeah. Yeah. They know the holidays. You can't screw that up. You do. And if morale's already bad because they've been having shitty food and then you screw up Thanksgiving, that's the worst. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear you. Well, all right. I think I've covered the Navy as far as I can think of. I'm sure I will remember some other questions that come up, but I think we nailed, you know, the, the air traffic control, what it's like a little bit, you know, so just to give people enough information, if they're ever interested themselves, they can go check it out. Um, but you, you do your service, you, you get done, you get out and now you got your degree in what was it? Um, it was a bachelor of science in air traffic control. Okay, so it was specifically for air traffic control. I mm-hmm. didn't know they had their own bachelor's degree. So they do. Makes yeah. that makes sense. Uh, so yep. you get that. Um, do you have intentions of going and being an air traffic controller now? As of right now, no. Um, okay. The I could like pretty easily because of the qualifications and jobs that I held, um, but I don't want to. <laughs> Um, the work schedule sucks. The pay is very good. The pay is, um, ridiculously good, but the hours are horrible. And I heard that they can't make you work that ever since nine 11. I heard that like, you're only allowed to work like six, eight hour shifts. Is that not true anymore? That's not true. And you work like you can go from the midnight shift to the day. Like you just don't have consistency and it takes, several years to build up the seniority to get a schedule that would be like a nine to five or a Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I heard that like when nine 11 happened, like one of the problems with that was some of the air traffic controllers, they'd been, they'd work like 48 hours or some crazy 36 hour shift or whatever it was. And they were sleep deprived and that was part of the problem. And so after that they created, some sort of, and obviously they don't do that anymore, according to you. So, <laughs> well, I I know there are like working hour limitations, but you could still work like a sixty-hour work week. You just can only control for two to three hours at a time, and then you need a twenty-minute break. Or I'm not oh. quite sure how it works. The Navy did have working hour limitations, like we can't work more than ten hours in a day, and you can't work more than six days in a row. Um. But I don't know how it is for like the FAA or out in the civilian world. Okay. Yeah. It's um beyond my my level of expertise. So I'll stop talking out of my ass about that. <laughs> so um <laughs> all right. And let's see, let's get let's get into the podcast. So you're out now okay. when this is how I ran across you and you decided you're gonna do a podcast. So what is the podcast about? What inspired it? Let's talk about all those things. Okay. Um, the, it's a weird question because um, I, I don't know if I quite know the yet. Um, I, I think because the name, let me restart. Photography was always like my side hustle. And um, now that it's become my full time job, I think I felt like I needed a side hustle or a hobby because my hobby became my day-to-day um and I mostly wanted to start a podcast in general because I wanted to like push myself outside of my comfort zone um just as far as talking to people and branching out of 
you know, I have this like newfound freedom being out of the military and I want to take advantage of it. And I've always been really shy socially and shy to um, like put myself out there on a platform like a podcast or YouTube. Um, And I was trying to figure out what subject I would want it to be on. And I was like, I, I don't know. I just had this random idea laying in bed one night, like why not make it about female veterans? And I looked up different podcasts about female vets and there's quite a handful out there. And I was like, okay, well let's do business owners. And um, what if I niche it down to female vets turned business owners? And I thought about it for a while cause I didn't know if it was too small of a community. Um, so I put a feeler out there on that veterans Facebook group. There's um, um, a female Navy chief Facebook group that I'm a part of. I put it on there first and the support I got, I got like a hundred, 200 comments just from the female chief group. And I was like, Oh shoot, this community is way bigger than I thought. Um, let's do it. Let's just try. And um, I think now the why has turned more into like, Women in general are, I I don't think scared is the right word, but they're hesitant to admit that they served. And it's like stupid. Like you did the same job. I deployed just like the other dudes next to me. And I worked my butt off. I did everything that a man did. And we um, sometimes don't get the credit that we deserve. And then, but we're also like hesitant to, admit that we served and to do things like park in a veteran's parking or ask for a veteran discount or um, wear the little veteran hat. I mean, they're ugly, so no one would want to wear them anyway, but you know what I mean? Like you never see an older woman wearing a Vietnam vet hat, um, for example, but, um, and there's just this like insanely supportive and powerful community in female vets, let alone women that start businesses. And I just um, think it's awesome that I'm able to give them that platform to share about their journey and bring awareness to female veterans. The Like you asked me about like different challenges that you face as a woman in the military, um, but also the success. Like I don't want it to be just a complaint platform for women that were mistreated in the military. I want it to be I noticed this was wrong and this is what I did as a woman to fix it. And, um, same in the business world too. Okay. Now have you recorded yet? Have you started, have you got all your platform and all that stuff going? Yeah. Um, I launched last week only three episodes. I'll be today's Tuesday. Yeah. Tomorrow I'll be publishing my second guest interview. Um, so the first, two episodes are just like little introductions. Um, the episode one is literally 20 seconds. Just this is the, it's called the service to CEO podcast. I don't think I said that yet. Um, okay. And, um, just a quick introduction on like what the goal of the show is. And then the second episode is my story of why I left the Navy. Um, I was in for 10 years. Um, So just explaining my thought process and the series of events that led me to decide to leave. Um, Yeah, that's the the, shit or get off the pot time right there. Yeah, Yeah, 10 years is the bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the 
after that, it'll be all guest episodes of female female vets that run their own businesses or even just side hustles and talking about their time in the military and their journey of business ownership. Awesome. So you'll be giving people a platform for their businesses. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I run my stuff. Is like mm-hmm. I tell everybody, like, if you're military, if you're in the criminal justice career field at all, and yeah, like you, I'll stretch. Like, if I can get it out there, let's get it out there. Let's talk about mm-hmm. you know your work experience, get the education side out there, but then let's let's raise up whatever it is you're doing. Um, yeah. And try to get that going. So I like that. It's a good mission to have. Um, one I hadn't considered, for sure. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that there would have been that many. But. No, it's ridiculous. Hundreds of people. And, um, I probably have, I'm fully booked through the rest of the year for interviews. Um, nice. I just started booking into January and that's like four episodes a week of recording. Like, are you doing crazy. audio only or video and audio? Video and audio. Yeah, yeah, so I'm on YouTube and Spotify right now. Um, okay, and that's about all I can handle. Service to see, service to CEO. Oh, to CEO. My bad. Yeah. I want to make sure I get that right. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a play on being Navy. Oh nope. <laughs> My bad. Service okay. to CEO. I got it. Got it. Um, so when I post this shit, it's actually on there. But um, <laughs> okay, so you're doing the the video audio podcast, and how long are your episodes? I'm just shy of an hour. I try to aim aim for that like 55 minute ish. Okay. Yeah. And you got um are you doing like are you putting out clips with the full episode or are you just doing one in post and ghost? Um I'll be doing clips too. Try to Okay. I'm still kind of figuring out my um like schedule, I guess. Um cuz being a photographer is a heavy on social media too and social media is becoming a full-time job at this point um so just trying to figure out i want to share clips you know highlight some episodes generate some hype before the episode comes live um and then share just little quotes and stuff from each episode um but yeah a lot of short form video to with clips from each episode will definitely be out yeah it they're a pain in the ass I'll fully admit that, but, um, <laughs> are you, are you editing all your stuff yourself or? Yeah, I use, um, Riverside. <laughs> it's like a new okay. podcasting. Yeah. Like yeah. Yep, yep. Same thing. Um, yeah. I just use them and edit it right on there. Cause I don't, I just need to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I go all out. I've got my in-studio stuff and I do the remote stuff like this mm-hmm. and, um, I edit with a uh, premiere pro Adobe and mm-hmm. um, audition for the audio part. Um, although I've got my audio pretty dialed in now. I don't really have yep. to really mess with my audio. The only thing I'll do is right in Premiere, like if you sound like really low compared to me, and you can see the wave file sizes. Yeah. Um, and if yours looks really small, mine looks a lot bigger, I'll just make yours larger. And But I've been doing this almost three years, so I've got it I've got it dialed in now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. It and it's super addicting. So you're sounds like you're in the addicted part because you're knocking out four episodes in a week. Um Yeah, I am stupid and just set up my calendarly and put like, Oh, I'm available every day yeah. and then that's what people I were like, Oh, let me book you every day. And I was like, Oh, yeah. well I didn't think this through, but 
it'll be yeah. fine. I tell people like, hey, like reach out to me or I have better told you to book. Like don't just book yourself because I'll mm-hmm. have people they've done it. And I it's OK because I've set it up so people can see the calendar mm-hmm. and, and book things. But I won't do the show. I'll tell them like, hey, I'm busy that time. Like, yeah, you know, I need you to reach out. Yeah, I do require people to email me and like at least introduce yourself and then I'll reply with the booking link. But I'm just, I don't want some random, I don't know. The first time I meet someone is when we're recording, I'll do the same thing like we did and just give a brief rundown on what they can expect. But I just know your name and the branch of service that you were in pretty much and links to your website. That makes for a more natural conversation. Yeah, but Um, I try to not look at anything um, yep. that people send me, I just want to know your name. I'll make sure I pronounce it right before you record. Yep. And that's about it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the way to go. I, uh, yeah. that's the same formula I use. I don't, there's no pre now I've had some, some people that made me nervous. You know, I had uh Mark lamb. He's America's sheriff. He's a pretty big name. He's going for Senate. Uh, I mm-hmm. had him on. So I was like, Oh my God, I gotta like, I don't want to, talk to him like because he's been on a lot of interviews i was like i don't Mm want to do the same old shit so yeah but but i have a unique niche so i I knew the stuff i was going to ask wasn't going to be you know common things for him to Mm -hmm. get he may have gotten some of the questions here and there but for the most part i don't think he would have got what i was doing so yeah i do have a few guests that i plan on being a little more prepared for um there's one girl that's i think her episode or her interview is in december and she her subject is using psychedelics to heal PTSD. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a big thing right now. So I definitely want to be knowledgeable on that subject a little bit before I um, just talk like ignorantly about it with her. Right. Um, I want to be able to carry a conversation. So I plan on like doing a little bit of research for that. Um, another one is on vaccine injury to service members. Um, mm. So I think I would like to have a few at least some knowledge on it before talking about that. But yeah. other than that, I pretty much just wing it. No, it's beautiful. And it shows that, you know, just with our conversation, um, cause I've gotten some guests where I'm like, Jesus, dude, I need like, I don't just answer my question. Like, yes, no yeah. like, <laughs> talk. And yeah. you've, you've got, you've got the gift of Gabby. You know how to talk to people. Thanks. So um, Working on it. Going. If you yeah. talked to me two months ago, I would have been, horrible so that's a great compliment thank you yeah and mine's developed from 18 years of being in law enforcement and Mm -hmm. having to make conversation with a crackhead on you know for the next 20 minutes while i wait for a drug dog to come by and search his vehicle and (laughs) so you learn you learn how to how to talk to people um a lot Mm -hmm. in law enforcement especially but military too you you really have to come out of your shell for the military Mm -hmm. um which is fun to watch some of the shy. I was never, I was always an extrovert. So, oh, I was so shy. It's great. Yeah. People who knew me from my first duty station and them seeing me, what I'm doing now, they're like, who are you? I can't believe that you've changed so yeah. much. And yeah. So, how are you enjoying the freedom? You've only been out a month. So, it's got to finally start being like, oh my God. Like, it's pretty it, great. Like, I was going to say, it's probably nice to be like, I'm going to fucking sleep in today and nobody can say shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was actually in San Antonio over the weekend shooting a wedding. Um, oh, nice. Are you still, I know you're in Texas. Is that where you are, San Antonio? Uh, no, or? that's where my base is, but I'm up uh, okay. in the DFW area. Okay, cool. That's um, my main, yeah. I but, 
an ex coworker. So he was a he's a retired uh, Navy air traffic controller, and he works as a DoD controller now, where I was stationed, and um, we became pretty good friends. And I offered to shoot his daughter's wedding if he would pay for me to go to Texas. I was like, I'm going to go to Texas for a weekend. Why not? Um, yeah. So um, I was just there and I was able to give myself yesterday off to recover from traveling, which is just so great. Like I didn't have to ask anyone for permission to take a day off. And um, luckily I did because I didn't get home until 530 in the morning because my flight was delayed so much. Um, ah. So I was able to sleep all day and not feel bad about it. Um, but it was great. I did a uh, two weeks in Europe right after, um, I got out too. Damn and baller. didn't need permission from anyone. It was great. <laughs> um, but I think now I'm starting to settle in and figure out that like, no one's going to tell me to wake up at whatever time. And I have to have that self-discipline to, you oh. know, grow my business and, I just thought of a Navy question. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shoot. Do you have to ask permission to come aboard? Yes. That's Every a real day. thing. Yeah. Every time? Like if you get yeah, off. Every time. Mm-hmm. How does that, what's you. that procedure like? So. <laughs> <that's> so <laughs> Sorry, funny. I get excited about this stuff. It's no, that's like a question <laughs> that like all my family would ask too. I guess maybe it's in movies or something. I don't know. It is. Yes, absolutely. Okay. It's the only reason I know um, about So you have to have your ID and there's a watch stander on the um brow of the ship basically and you salute you walk up to the ship um like up the ramp or whatever you find the flag which is on the stern the back of the ship you salute the flag and then you turn to the watch stander you hold up your id with your left hand you salute them and say permission to come aboard and then they'll salute you back and say come aboard and it's every single person does it and if you're in uniform, you have to salute. If you're in civilian clothes, you just stand at attention. Okay. And then when well, you leaving is more casual, especially if like everyone's leaving at the same time. But yeah, just get a, um, get you a, just kind of <laughs> yeah, you just kind of salute and be like, "Go short, go short," and yeah. But okay, yeah. yeah. I so I've got enough. The reason I ask uh, this is another reason. Um, when I went to San Diego, um, I got the opportunity to go to the. Uh, where the Navy SEALs train and get a tour and then get oh, a tour cool. of a ship because mm-hmm. I'm, st- I'm still in the military. So um, I was like, Oh, this will be awesome. And then somebody had mentioned like, yeah, you'll just, you know, you'll go through the customs and courtesies, ask permission to come aboard and all that stuff. And I, I didn't really get into it because we were rushing around and all that. Um, but I didn't, I'm holding off. I asked, is this like an open invitation or is this like I have to do it on a certain day? He goes, no, 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 it's an open invitation because I want my wife to go with me to San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. We've never been to California, period, but okay. San Diego was awesome. And I yeah. I resisted the urge to go do all the tours because I wanted her to go with me. So mm-hmm. um, I was being sweet. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, and, nice. uh, and so... That was one of the things that I, I forgot to ask. I was going to ask, do I have to? So I want to show off and be like, oh, I know how to do this shit. I know what you I'm know? doing. Yeah. <laughs> be watching well, my own podcast when I go. How do we do this <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, if you just, no one's going to really hound you for it either. The only time that we would really get on to someone was if it was like someone in uniform not doing it right. We'd be like, come on, man, you know that this is the drill. And it's just. It, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, 
somewhat non-negotiable until they like know you and they're like, all right, come on, get on. Like we don't care. I gotcha. but, but I mean, honestly, um, you don't, you wouldn't have to do it a whole lot throughout your career. Cause you're, you're not getting on and off the boat a lot. You get on once you're gone for months on. Well, end you go and... to, you go to work on the ship. Like it's your nine to five when you're not on deployment too. Really? So yeah. even when it just parked, you're just like, or docked, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. You, <laughs> you parked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So in the, in the boat garage. As soon as I said it, I was like, that's wrong. I know it's not what they say. <laughs> no, uh, um, no, every day vernacular. you come on board. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, you go cool. to the ship every day, um, usually Monday through Friday. And then when you're out to sea, obviously you stay. But yeah, fuck. Uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I the, the the what are they called? Submariners? The those guys? Oh like, no! Fuck Mm-mm. no! Thank you. No way. Um, a guy that I graduated with, I, he may have been the class behind me in high school. I learned later that he um, was a, a sub commander. I don't know what they call him. Um, mm-hmm. he, he ran subs. Like he made it all the way up to to be oh, like nice. the captain of subs, um, mm-hmm. whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so it was pretty cool and um his name was john michael montgomery or something like it was like a famous name he had a, f- a famous name I'm like that does sound famous even high, in high school yeah it was like he had three names john michael mm-hmm. montgomery it was like weird anyway i was like a country ran- singer yeah yeah that's what it was he had a country singer name um, okay so if he's listening to this for some odd reason <laughs> Uh, and it could be my memory playing tricks on me. You know how things that I'm mm-hmm. 40 now. So it's been a while since I've been in high school. But, yeah. Um, okay. So we covered where you're from, why you got into service. We got your air traffic control stuff, which is awesome. We covered just about every Navy question I can think to ask. Um, all the fun stuff, you know, and we got your podcast on there. Um, your photography does that business is, is that a its own business has got a name yeah um, my photography business is k just the letter k nicole photography um spell nicole yeah. is it with an h or no no n-i-c-o-l-e okay so k nicole what is the rest photography photography okay mm-hmm. and can they find you on the grams yep everything you ever need is k nicole photography um for instagram there's a period in between so like k period nicole period photography um because the other variations are taken and people didn't want to give it to me it's frustrating that's mine i've got two cops one donut all spelled Mm -hmm. out then i've got two cops with the number two and the number one Mm -hmm. and then I think there's an even one more platform. I think on Twitch, I think I'm two cops, one donut with two T's. It's like, who the, how the it's fuck annoying. do anybody have this? Yeah. How do you have this name? And I look and there actually was a two cops and a donut podcast. I found out in like 2019. I think would be that. Yeah. But, but they only made it like six, seven, up. they didn't make it very long. I, mm-hmm. I won't approximate their number of episodes. I even tried to reach out like, Hey, like I'm, this is the 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 name that I'm using. It's very similar to y'all. Like, do you want to be on? Because I think there were cops. Like, I think they were just yeah. like me. So, I but I never got a response from those guys. So I was like, all right. I all messaged right. a few. Um, I feel like I've, a lot of pe- half the world has been a photographer at one point or like <laughs> tried to start a photography Instagram. 
Um, So I wanted to do Kristen Nicole photography because everyone thinks my name is Nicole because my business is K Nicole. But Ah. uh, I wanted it to be consistent across like the LLC, the website and all social media platforms. And I tried to take um, the username on Instagram and I messaged the girl who hadn't posted since 2014. She never responded to me. So I had to go with K Nicole. Gotcha. It is what it is. And I'm established now. There's no no turning back. <laughs> Are you really good with Photoshop? No. <laughs> Not at all. No. no um if you've ever heard of Lightroom, that's where I do most of my editing. Okay. Well, that's, that that's what I was trying to get to. Not maybe not necessarily that. So oh, I was okay. wondering, like, let's say I took a good picture with my cell phone. Because cell mm-hmm. phones take great pictures these days. Like, could I send that to you and you could do fancy things to it and make it look cooler? Yeah. Yeah. I could do that. But yeah, when you say Photoshop, like making someone look skinnier no, or no, 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 removing no. like something like that. No, I don't do that. And I don't really Girl, care. I embr- I but as far as like. Body. <laughs> I don't need to look skinnier. That's what I tell people too. When they ask me to like, they want their double chin edited out or something. I'm like. Your double chin is beautiful. I'm not touching it. So. Right? Tell people, man. Yeah. It's like this. I got gray in my whiskers here, and mm-hmm. um, people, are like, why don't you, why don't you color it in? I'm like, eh. it's really not that big a deal. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'll fix <laughs> was- like if someone has a pimple, I'll edit that out because it's okay. Easy. Yeah, it's, um, it's an attention getter that you don't want to give up. So yeah, but if it's like a if it's something that's permanent, like a birthmark or a scar, I don't usually edit that out um and then some if you have like a stray hair that's really distracting and um distracting objects in the background like a stop sign is something popular that i'll edit out because it's red and stands out um and i want the focus to be on the subject of the image but beyond that i don't really do much more as far as like altering the image okay well ma'am i don't have anything else is there something you wanted to bring up that we haven't hit no, I think I'm good. Okay. I've got shit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight good clips that I plan to use for this podcast. And nice. uh, so those listening, you can look forward to those. They get spread out throughout the week. Um, I, when I release every day, I'm always putting out, at least on YouTube, there'll be a clip of something cool from the show. And they're usually six, six seven minutes long, typically. Um but yeah, so you guys can look forward to that. Make sure you guys check out um, Kristen's uh, photography thing, Kate Nicole Photography. And then be sure to look out for her new podcast, Service to CEO podcast. Um, and yeah, anything else, ma'am? No, I think I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This, I'm excited no, to see this. <laughs> no problem. This was great. Thank you for being on. Of course. All right, ma'am. You have a good day, and it was a pleasure having you.